Welcome to Follow the Medical Record, where healthcare experts give insights into the increasing importance of following a patient's medical record through the health ecosystem with compliance, privacy, security, and efficiency front and center. This podcast is brought to you by MRO and hosted by Don Hardwick, Senior Vice President of Client Relations at MRO. Don has been in the health information management industry for over 40 years and has extensive knowledge of how medical records make their way through the healthcare ecosystem. At MRO, Don is responsible for strategic client engagement programs and overall client satisfaction. To hear from all of MRO's industry experts, be sure to visit MROCorp.com for additional content and to sign up for our monthly e-newsletter. Over to you, Don. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Follow the Medical Record. I'm your host, Don Hardwick. You can learn a little bit more about me and my background on MRO's website at MROCorp and can connect with me on LinkedIn. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at MROCORP. I'm excited to have Casey Birnbaum with us today. Let me give you a small snippet of Casey's background. She is currently the Senior Enterprise Director at Peace Health, where she oversees its Health Information Management Department, coding and CDI activities. Peace Health is an integrated faith-based based organization in the Pacific Northwest with hospitals and physician practices in Oregon, Washington State, and Alaska. Casey spent many years with other large healthcare organizations where she provided enterprise-wide leadership over the Health Information Management Department, Revenue Integrity, Coding, clinical documentation, and has served as the Chief Privacy Officer. Casey also currently serves as a board member and incoming board chair of KHIM and is an officer of San Diego Health Connect, which is a regional health information exchange and served as board chair and president of the American Health Information Management Association. Casey, I would go on and on uh, about your resume because you look like a who's who in the field of health information management. But in short, Casey, thank you very much for joining the show today. Oh, thank you, Don, so much. I'm happy to join you as well today. So, Casey, we're going to be discussing why it's important to have an enterprise-wide approach to any outsourcing and uh, specifically ROI in an organization your size. But before we start, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the medical record itself? What goes into the record and who has the right to obtain that record? Great question, Don. So it really begins by defining your designated record set as set forth by, um, by HIPAA. And, um, Many of us in the HIM arena have called this the legal health record, but really that terminology um, was really superseded by the designated record set. And this is something that we really need to lean into as we transcend to the next phase of information blocking the 21st Century Cures Act. But privacy um, requires that HIPAA-covered entities, which is health plans and most healthcare providers 
um, provide individuals upon request with access to protected health information about them in one or more designated record sets. Um, again, maintained by us as a covered entity. And really, in terms of who has access to patient records, um, certainly patients have the legal right to copies of their own records. A loved one or caregiver um, has the right to get copies of your medical record if you've given them permission. Um, and healthcare providers have the right to see and share your records with anyone that you have given permission. And then, you know, certainly with other covered entities, there are rules that apply as well. And just um, in, in terms of kind of who owns the legal record, um, really over time, um, we really want to see that the patient owns the information but as medical professionals um, and doctors in particular um, and health systems like us, we, we own the actual um, infrastructure that maintains the record. So we're the custodian of the records. We care and feed the record, but really the patient owns the information um, with rare exceptions. So we really need to make sure that we you know, safeguard the record and really um, assure that it's maintained, um, you know, in, in the best interest of the patient. Casey, with some of the legislation that's been occurring in the recent past, giving patients more rights and access and availability, in your history, uh, you've, you've held many uh, positions with hospitals. Have you ever seen that that was an issue to begin with, that patients felt like they didn't have the right to access their medical records, provided they went through the proper channels of completing a, an authorization uh, to obtain that information? Did you ever find that patients weren't able to get the information that they wanted? Yeah, if you look at the OCR and complaints that have been um, leveled against, um, you know, providers and, and other such entities, you do see that, you know, definitely, especially in the early days of HIPAA, that there was a misunderstanding and some providers did put in unnecessary um, barriers to access. Um, you know, certainly we do everything um, along with our partner MRO to assure that um, nothing is blocked. Um, and, you know, we try to, to give the patient a number of different avenues to um, obtain their record. But, um, you know, there certainly have been perception that perhaps we were blocking that information, especially if they went um, through um, a third party to request that information. So it's really important that we, you know, have a good process to timely communicate with the patient to make sure that we fully understand their request and that we fulfill it in not only a timely manner, but a complete manner. That brings up the complete matter, um, a manner in which they can obtain the, that information as a network. Uh, an overall enterprise, why do you feel that it's important to have a single vendor processing these requests for patients and other requesting parties as well? Certainly. 
Well, as you can well imagine, for those of us that are in the trenches um, and have seen the evolution of release of information, it's very complex. Despite the fact that we do have electronic health record systems that, you know, may have an application that um, is designed to handle release of information, it really doesn't mean to say that, you know, there isn't a need for specialized resources. Um, layered on top of HIPAA are all the state laws that, you know, and we have three different states. Um, and probably our most challenging state is Washington. And so their requirements are, you know, more stringent um, in many cases than Oregon laws, for example. Um, but there are nuances in Oregon laws that maybe Washington doesn't have. And, and so um, it's really important that we have a partner who can really help um, to not only provide us with the resources that we need, but also um, has some technology solutions that really um, layer on top of perhaps some of the um, elect electronic health record features that we have. Um, the other item too that um, just to go back to the in information blocking and 21st Century Cures Act is that we, we don't want to be a barrier to the patient and their request for information. So um, from a vendor partner relationship, it's really important to address any gaps that we have and to have a seamless process that again reduces, you know, anything that could get in the way of a patient requesting information. And some of our patients aren't as sophisticated and, you know, don't want to access our portal um, and, you know, may want to call and ask for information and may want to mail an authorization. So we need to meet the patient wherever they are in that process. So, Casey, you bring up a, a good point here is that there are various areas. It's not just the medical record itself, but there are other departments that contain information to patients and other uh, requesting parties need for uh, the information uh, that's contained in a hospital in general. So when you were looking at this whole process of an enterprise-wide release of information management approach, were there other departments that were considered or had input uh, during that evaluation process? Absolutely. We involved our um, network leadership in that process, so we definitely wanted to have, um, along with compliance as well, they needed to be sitting at the table helping us make the decision. So we we did include from, again, from each of our networks, um, you know, IT, our clinics, um, our um, medical group leadership, because they too have release of information needs. Um, IT in terms of um, bringing to bear some of the integration opportunities that um, you know the vendor would would be able to to help us with this process, and we really wanted to make sure that we all under had a good understanding of the current state and challenges, 
and really what the best pathway forward for the future state. And well, as well as as having that potential partner define um, the transition path and you know level of effort involved as well. Um, and again, we wanted to look at an enterprise approach that enveloped all of our networks, all of our our medical group, you know, all of our practices, um, as well as future state with um, community connect. And those organizations that perhaps aren't a, um, you know, aren't owned by Peace Health, but um, are on our instance of Epic and have agreed to our, um, you know, terms of, you know, have a contractual relationship in that avenue. How was that process? Was that was that painful during that time to get? all of those different departments and entities together, or was there a demand, a rising tide of demand, I'll just put it that way. Okay. Of similar yeah, we, problems and experience that was going on. Absolutely, so um, what really um, led to kind of looking at what was available um, in terms of, of a partnership opportunity, um, at Peace Health, we already were a full outsource, but there was a high degree of discontent um, with a level of quality, customer service. Um, we were experiencing a high level of patient complaints. Um, the vendor at the time had trouble with, with staffing the function. Uh, the turnaround times were unacceptable. The approaches from a technology standpoint um, were suboptimal. And we really wanted to develop um, a partnership and a relationship to enable us to be to proactively um, you know, set up, set ourselves up for success and not, you know, have to chase after issues and um, you know, do customer recovery versus, you know, meeting customer. Um, or exceeding customer expectations at the get-go. There are there are a number of companies out there that perform release of information. Um, did you use any outside sources to help evaluate uh, your selection process? There's a company called Class that most healthcare professionals are familiar with, and Class evaluates the vendor community and then ranks those vendor uh, those vendors based on input from facilities that they service so is did y'all use class as one of your evaluation tools by chance yes i'm very um you know i've worked with class over the years um, as an evaluator of vendor solutions um, as well as consulting and services types of solutions. So I'm very familiar, have a good relationship with the folks at class. And so this definitely um, was one of the items that was looked at as far as looking for best best in class solutions and then looking at, you know, the feedback and, um, you know, as well. So this definitely was, was one of the things we looked at as well as talking to, um, uh, current clients um, of the vendor as well 
just to make sure that they were satisfied with customer service, compliance. So, Casey, during your implementation, after you've made your selection and then the implementation process begins, how would you, how would you position the implementation process in your, in terms of your experience with other implementations? Was this one uh, a smooth implementation? Was it, what was it, uh, had, had its, did it have its stumbling blocks? Uh, so what was the experience after selection? Well, there wasn't um, a long runway in terms of um, implementing um, with MRO. Um, there, again, there was a lot of dissatisfaction with the current state. Um, and so there was a lot of pressure to, you know, implement quickly. Um, so we did need to do a big bang implementation. Um, we did have a rigorous planning process and an opportunity to really um, look at our policies, procedures, um, you know, state requirements as well, and really harmonize that with MRO. Um, MRO was able to look at the staffing from the previous um, company um, and identify um, individuals that, um, you know, met met the requirements, um, not all, but, but some. Um, so that really helped to fill some of the positions um, as well as, um, you know, they hired additional staffing and, um, and then there were some, some functions that could be backfilled um, through the National uh, Service Center. But there was a continuous communication and almost daily meetings that occurred um, in order to be able to, to really bring this up quickly. Um, one of the pieces we didn't have at the get-go was the um, e-link, which is the integration between um, EPIC, which is our EMR, and MRO. So that unfortunately took a little bit of a backseat because of the pandemic. Um, we implemented prior to the pandemic in, in January of, of 2020. Um, so, um, but we were able, I was able to get that to the front of the line, you know, once we were able to kind of re-engage um, our um, project portfolio. So we were able to get that up and running, I believe in uh, November of that year. So that was, that was good. It took a little bit longer than I would have liked, but we had several other projects that were, you know, in the starting gate. And then there were a couple of other things that we needed to do also just to um, get ready for the 21st Century Cures Act and information blocking where we um, used MRO's expertise to really help us with our, our um, document templates to help with release of information. Casey, speaking of document templates and your policies and and reevaluating how you were doing things and how you were going to do things um, with uh, with MRO. What did what best practices did you learn out of that, or were there any that 
any things that occurred, you were saying a minute ago that you, you held weekly meetings um, so that you kept everything on track. Was that a standard practice within your organization or did you do this because of the short runway, as you mentioned, uh, in, a, in terms of a time frame for getting all your locations up and running? So were there, were there any best practices or things that you learned that you could apply with other implementations for other vendors? Well, we continue to have weekly meetings, but, um, you know, at the, at, at the beginning of, of the design phase, we were meeting, you know, more frequently than that. Um, and I think that both of our teams um, have evolved over time. You know, certainly the pandemic, you know, provided some challenges because we had on-site staff um, and then the MRO staff is working remotely, but dedicated to Peace Health. Um, and we've been able to put in eExpress, you know, to help with other types of requests. One of the things that wasn't fully built out, um, and after my arrival, I saw that we didn't have a good workflow um, in our patient portal because MRO also fulfills those requests. And that's a very short turnaround time. So that was an area that we really needed to develop and um, we needed the MRO staff to really lean into um, the design, the workflow. Um, MRO was, was very um, involved in, you know, helping to bring, I, I knew of another client where I had worked before that a client site that um, had a good workflow process. So we were able to meet with that um, client, a client of MRO and, and really emulate that process so that um, from a fulfillment within the MyChart application, we were able to um, design that in an optimal way. Um, document templates was another area that they had some legacy templates but we really knew that that would streamline the fulfillment process, standardize it, and um, really increase the efficiency of um, the MRO team and, um, you know, give us the assurance that they had everything they needed. So that was, um, again, we had MRO reach out to a client that had recently gone through that process and so they were able to kind of give us some demos of how that worked in their system environment. And um, so that was another area too that we partnered and um, created some, some really value added solutions along the way. So again, we continue to learn and grow. We identified too that the policy or procedural um, document that was developed uh, prior to go live had kind of out of date artifact in it. So we recently just, you know, went through that process as well. Um, and then also just developing, uh, for example, some escalation processes. So if there is a question or, you know, if, if a patient keeps requesting or, um, uh, an authorized requester on their behalf keeps requesting the same thing over and over. Let's dig into it and find out, you know, what's behind that. 
So really, you know, wanting to make sure that, you know, our team is apprised where there are, you know, hiccups or a dissatisfied um, requester, you know, whether it's the patient or another party. So just really, again, fine tuning the process and, um, you know, having that evolve over time. And especially as MRO um, provides to us some new technology options. So, for example, with the MRO eExpress, um, that was an area where patients that, you know, for whatever reason don't want to use um, our My Peace Health, which is our um, patient portal, um, but want to use a web link um, to obtain records or other requesters want to utilize that platform that really streamlines things for the requester and integrates into um, ROI online. And so I that's something that um, has helped us. I think as time goes on, there's just gonna be a bigger and bigger push for patients to have that access, like you're saying, via an electronic methodology. And that way they can obtain the information that they need virtually 24 seven so that they can either, you know, satisfy the need that that information brings to the table, whether it's a, whether it's a legal issue because of an accident or whether it's a continuation of care um, uh, piece that they need from that uh, record. They'll be able to uh, obtain that information uh, at, at their will and at their leisure and convenience. I think there's, you know, just because of one of the things you said, COVID ushered in a totally different approach to obtaining all kinds of things, whether it's shopping or whether today it's medical information, that doing it without having to travel or go into a facility and perhaps be exposed uh, to, and in this case, uh, for that two-year period uh, to COVID. So they were still able to uh, obtain the information in a convenient way. And I think that's going to drive, um, that's going to drive forward as, as we, as we move forward into an electronic right. age. But, yeah, I think that MROE Express really provided um, the ability so that, that you didn't have to have fulfillment centers at every acute care hospital. Um, so as long as we provide, um, you know, how to access medical records, um, again, you know, providing, you know, different options, you know, that some will, you know, resort to um, kind of the, the, the paper process, printing an authorization and filling it out. But um, for the most part, this has really been successful for us. So we, again, it's really helped us to lean into where we might have gaps um, in the process so that we can, you know, partner with MRO on improving those. And one of the areas too I wanted to mention is just the payer relations area. We have a lot of payers that, um, you know, are doing uh, through their Medicare Advantage populations. They want to do kind of a sweep of records, um, thousands of records, you know, some are, some of our um, 
Medicare Advantage um, payers, you know, look at eight to 10,000 uh, records a year just to see if there's some recoding um, opportunities with risk adjustment and also um, with their HEDIS information. So it's really nice the MRO has a division that really focuses on that as well as some um, opportunities um, from a technology standpoint to address that. So, um, but that's a big area. And a lot of our payers, um, they continue to want open access to EPIC, and that just isn't something that we're willing to um, provide to them. I think that it, you're you're absolutely correct. I think that that open access is uh, opens up some other challenges that um, is going to be imposed on the healthcare providers uh, out there that I don't think is going to work to their advantage overall. But remains to be seen on that front. But I think um, I think just the sheer volume of request for a facility um, ushers in, you know, another age of complexity on top of what the legal requirements, HIPAA requirements have been in the past. Given those complexities and volumes that you're seeing today, kind of my last question here, Casey, is where do you see release of information going for the future? Great question. I really think that, you know, as technology evolves, um, I really see that perhaps um, artificial intelligence um, and kind of using bots might help, um, you know, from a MRO perspective, um, at, you know, to kind of reduce the, the resource burden. You know, all of us are really feeling the um, the effect that um, post pandemic, where you know some of some of our positions remain open longer than we would like. Um, so if we can um, use artificial intelligence, you know, for some of those repetitive um, processes, then that can you know perhaps drive down costs or level things off a bit. Um, you know for um, providers um, in the equation. We do have a revenue share model. So in terms of um, requests for continuity of care where we can't charge for, um, you know, that's an area that we're really digging into to find out if we can get providers to use um, the um, provider portal that's afforded through our EMR um, and there are some some other options that are um, presenting themselves if, if the providers on another instance of Epic through Care Everywhere that might be a better way for them to review that information. So I think um, you know we have a responsibility in our partnership with MRO to look at you know efficiencies and um, you know how we can scale and scope this so that um, you know we can identify efficiencies, you know, which will reduce turnaround times, improve um, the requester satisfaction. I think those are the, the biggest things, yeah. I think the bottom line is, is you hit, hit the nail on the head, so to speak, is that 
the objective is to improve the client or in your case the client meaning the patient or requesting parties to improve that satisfaction level and it seems like that urgency is one of those factors which you describe as turnaround times is one of those key factors as well as being able to access anywhere uh, the information so that they can get it at their at their leisure. I think all of these things and driving some of that cost, the labor cost out of the equation helps all parties. So uh, I, I, I thank you, Casey, for uh, being on the show today. It's very insightful. You have you have a vast uh, amount of uh, of experience and um, and it's just been a a pleasure to have you um, join our show. So thank you very much. Thank you. So for more insights on a patient's medical record through the health ecosystem, visit the show's homepage at mrocorp.com, where you can also explore additional resources through thought leadership. You can also check out the program's page on health carenowradio.com. Finally, be sure to connect with us on Twitter at MRO Corp. Until we talk again, I'm your host, Don Hardwick.